Welcome back, everyone, to Law School Life and Beyond's Leadership Series. My name is Katya, and I'm the host of this podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tim Hutzel. Tim is the Senior Vice President, General Counsel, and Secretary at Shawcore. I'm really excited to get Tim's perspective on being in an in-house role at Shawcore, but I'm also really excited to highlight Tim's work that he does outside of his career, and that is through volunteering and mentoring law students and young lawyers. Tim has been a great help to Law School Life and Beyond, as you will come to learn throughout this episode, and he's also involved in a variety of other things um, pertaining to mentorship. And so I'm really excited to have Tim on. It's been a long time coming, and I've learned so much from Tim in the short time that I've known him. So with that, thank you so much, Tim, for agreeing to come on the show today. No, I'm excited. I've heard a lot of good things from other guests. So. Mm-hmm. And for those of us, that, or for those of you that are listening, Tim has actually been such a driving force behind a lot of the guests that we've had on the show. So we really appreciate um, your involvement, uh, Tim, from Law School Life and Beyond. Oh no, it's it's a great uh, you know the fact that you got recognized by the ABA uh, so young in your life shows you're very entrepreneurial, and I really respect that. Thank you, thank you so much. That means a lot. Um, so I'm excited to finally have you on the show and start. Um, hammering you with questions. So what drew you to a career in law initially? So when I was in high school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to be. And, um, you know, one of the things uh, for other students is, you know, when you're young, you can be anything you want to be. And as you get older, you start having to make decisions and decisions (laughs) start closing doors. Although I think my career is an example of, you know, you can change paths along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was always interested in law just from the intellectual thing, but I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be a professor or a lawyer. But when I was in undergrad, it was very, you know, when you were prof- the professor track, you didn't have control over what city you lived in and it was a little mm-hmm. harder. So, you know, I kind of went back and forth and it was kind of funny because a lot of my law school classmates, since they were seven years old, wanted to be lawyers and, mm-hmm. and just knew their whole lives. And I was never quite like that. I just wanted to do something that was interesting and intellectually challenging. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So then when you entered law school, was it everything that you hoped and dreamed or did you ever have a moment where you thought, oh no, huge mistake? Oh, I had lots of, I had lots of moments. It's <laughs> funny. I loved undergrad mm-hmm. and loved all the courses. I was a poli-sci and history um, major. Cool. And, you know, was taking all kinds of interesting things and was lucky when I was at U of T, happened to correspond with an era where I had some brilliant professors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just world leaders and just so fortunate to have experienced that kind of teaching. And then when I went to law school, I hated first year, all the sort of uh, required courses. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and a lot of my classmates were like, oh, my God, this is so great. And I'm like, why do I not like it? <laughs> yeah. um, so. I love the people. I love the professors. Didn't like the content, but mm-hmm. I've enjoyed being a lawyer far more than I enjoyed being a law student. Okay. Okay. And I, I had a guest on last week and we were speaking about how in, if we could go back now in third year, I look at my first year exams, which were a hot mess. <laughs> I now being a third year student, I understand how to law school. And I honestly feel kind of like pity for first year law professors because they're dealing with these fresh students who really have no idea what they're doing. And I know that even two years later, I would have completely changed how I approached those exams and it would have been so much better. So the patience exhibited by these professors in first year is actually remarkable. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's funny, right? It, it, I think part of the challenge too, when you go to first year law, most people that go to law school were one of the top students in high school yes. and in undergrad. And suddenly everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, <laughs> it's like going from, from being a star on your local small town team to, to, you know, the pros, right? Yes. I remember sitting beside a student uh, who went on to great things and he was uh, done a number of different 
high-profile high jobs in Canada and ran uh, Teachers Pension Plan, the CPP. Wow. And I remember sitting in a class thinking, there's no way, even if I study 24-7, I'm never going to be smarter than that guy. <laughs> it was kind of the first time I ever felt that in my life, and it was a little humbling, to be honest. <laughs> No, that's true. And uh, I completely agree. I had those moments too where I was looking around. I'm like, oh my gosh. But one of the best things that ever happened in first in all of law school actually was because everyone comes in with imposter syndrome. And I remember my contracts professor, he did a little quiz um, in class. And I was answering the questions. I was like, honestly, I have no idea what these answers are. And I just picked whatever. And then he put the results on the PowerPoint and he showed, and it showed that literally 80% of the class got the answers wrong. And I was looking around, I'm like, oh my gosh. I was like, I just think that you guys had it all figured out. And he's like, and we're all screwed. Yeah. Like none of us know what's happening. <laughs> it was a very, I was, I was like, I, I put in the review, uh, the professor review, you need to do this every year. So that way it just kind of levels everything for you. We're all lost. Yeah. I actually had bottoms for contracts and, uh, the thing I remember most, which is is probably, is that, you know, he was in England for a year and he was like Madonna. He had a British accent long after he was there, <laughs> even though he was there for only a very short period of time. <laughs> That's amazing. I love how that works. Um, so then do you mind describing your role within Shawcore? So I'm the SVP legal and general counsel. So, uh, and we're a Canadian public company, uh, specializes in material science. Historically, uh, we've been more of a focus on oil and gas, although we've morphed away from that over the last few years and we continue to do that. Um, but it's a global international company, you know, at any given time, depending on the projects we're in, you know, 30 countries around the world. So I run the legal department and get involved in the business. Uh, you know, I, I, talk on an almost daily basis with the CEO to plan strategy and stuff. Wow. So, you know, responsible for everything and anything. Uh, you know, I'm a, a legal generalist. I have no, um, you know, I'm always amazed sometimes when I talk to the subspecialist when we're dealing with a problem, just the level of detail. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm half business person, half lawyer, mm -hmm. and I'm responsible for the global legal team. So I have lawyers all around the world that report to me. Wow. So do you get to travel at all with this job? Uh, nobody's traveled with COVID the last two years. Um, it's interesting when I first got there, um, traveled all the time just because the CEO at the time, that was a big thing for him. He thought people needed to meet face to face. Mm -hmm. And so was often on a plane. And I, I can remember, I've told the story a couple of times to people. I can remember I was in Germany in so many different cities in a very short period of time once. And I woke up and I didn't know what city in the world I was in Wow! Uh, because I'd been traveling so much. Um, mm -hmm. But I knew I was in Germany because in Germany, when you ask for a double bed, they push two single beds together. <laughs> so... When That's I woke amazing. up with the two single bids, I was like, okay, I'm in Germany, but I couldn't remember if I was in Cologne or, or Munich. Or, uh, <laughs> That's but, amazing. Uh, but it, it's luckily just because of family reasons, too. It's slowed down a lot over the mm -hmm. last couple of years. And I think COVID's really showed, and I don't know that we'll ever go back. You know, travel's still important, and I'm looking forward to I haven't seen a couple of my team members in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, looking forward to going out to see them. But I think... A lot of companies have realized you don't have to travel mm -hmm. as much and you know it, it's interesting and it'll affect your generation more is with remote work um you know what's the future of the workplace right and, and all companies are kind of debating that at the moment i just have a question so i know in private practice you have cases that you're working on but how many legal issues face a business and i mean yeah like what does what the day-to-day -day kind of look like well it's funny pretty much every night i kind of put together my 10 or 15 things that I'm going to do the next day, okay. you know, sort of prioritize. 
And invariably, most mornings by 10 o'clock, the list is shot to heck <laughs> um, and different things come up because, you know, you never know, like, um, you know, I do stuff, uh, leasing, uh, sale of property, litigation, uh, okay. sanctions. You know, the, the, one of the things I like about Shaw Corps is just because it is so international, we deal with a lot of issues. Um, let me give you an example. We spent a number of years when the Obama administration had uh, liberalized rules towards Iran and doing business with Iran. We spent six months working with law firms in D.C. to plot out. And, you know, we had a chart with passports of everybody um, because Americans couldn't do business in Iran, but they were no longer prosecuting foreign nationals. So we spent ages working through this program and just got to the point where we were starting to do business. Then Trump won the election and ripped up the treaty. So we had to that we then had to exit and had to exit in a fashion that was compliant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hugely complex deals. Um, that go through, you know, we've had uh, situations where we had partners in foreign countries, and I won't get into the details because mm -hmm. um, of confidentiality reasons, where suddenly the, they don't want you there anymore and they try and force you out. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we I've done competition filings in, in Europe and in South America. And so okay. the day-to-day, -day, which is one of the things that's great about being in-house, and particularly, you know, one of the things I lament a little bit about what's happened in the last 10 or 15 years is the hollowing out a little bit of corporate Canada, mm -hmm. where a lot of companies have been bought out. And so the headquarters are no longer in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I feel very lucky that, I, you know, I sit in Rexdale, Ontario, but, you know, it's the heart and soul of a, an international company. Mm -hmm. And you never know, you never know from driving by and on the street, it looks like a nondescript four-story office tower that, you know, we do business in Africa and Asia and, yeah. and all over the world. Okay. Okay. Cool. That that that's a nice little window into what in house does and what kind of falls on your desk every day. Yeah, it, it's it's you know it's contracts. It's it's you know M and A deals sometimes. Okay. Uh, we sold a couple businesses last year. We've bought a number of businesses over the years. So it's unpredictable, right? Which goes back to what I said earlier about. Um, you know, you're you're not an expert at anything, but you have to be nimble. And, and you yeah. know, I, I think why I value change management so much is. You know, there hardly a week goes by where I don't have to deal with it, mm -hmm. um, and things change from what I was anticipating. Yeah, and you don't always have the luxury of um, a lot of time to think about things. Mm -hmm. It's just you have to go with the decision in the moment, and um, you know that's one thing. Sometimes where. As you get older in your career, you have to learn to do that. But, you know, my job is often, it's like walking a tightrope, right? The, the, you just have to make the best decision on the, the basis of imperfect information. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes one of the struggles between um, in-house lawyers and, and lawyers at law firms is, um, you know, just risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. the, the firms, uh, you, you know, we're lucky. We have a, a great network of lawyers all around the world, and I've been privileged to work with so many smart um, intelligent people in different fields. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's one of the things I enjoy most is, you know, uh, I have people that, you know, back when people still send Christmas cards yeah. and now it's all emails, you know, you get them from Belgium and England and mm -hmm. uh, you know all over the globe. So it's kind of fun. That is, that is really fun. I like that. And so what made you decide to transition from private practice and larger firms to this kind of position? It, it was kind of funny when I, and you're probably too young to remember the movie, uh, Jerry Maguire. So when I came out of law school, I wanted to be a sports and entertainment law lawyer. So I cool. went to work at Goodman's and got a chance to do, you know, worked on the Blue Jays and the World Wrestling Federation and all kinds of neat stuff. And mm -hmm. actually brought in my first client when I was a student, uh, which was a professional soccer team that uh, unfortunately only lasted a year. Um, but it was kind of neat. And okay. so 
I wanted to do that, and I got some great advice from a, a guy that was my mentor, uh, Gord Kirk, who was a brilliant sports law lawyer who taught a course at U of T in Osgood. And he said, become a good lawyer first. Mm-hmm. He said, figure out what you want to do with your life after. But he said, you got to become a good lawyer first. And so it was a very hard profession cool. to get into. Um, so I ended up, you know, if you, you would have told first year Tim that he was going to spend, you know, decade and a half primarily working on cons- in construction and oil and gas related uh, exercises, I wouldn't have been very happy. Um, but it's funny how um, <laughs> things happen. And I remember a number of years ago going to see Tony Blair speak. He was giving a speech, the former British prime minister, and he was talking about globalization. Mm-hmm. And, and he said the one advice he would give to young people is become a change agent embrace change because he said whether you like it or not change is going to happen and he said you can either complain about it whine Mm -hmm. about it uh, be steamrolled by it he said or you can just adapt with it and try and make it the best for you individually for your town country organization and and so it was a very powerful speech and you know i think if there's any Mm -hmm. advice to students that are listening to this you know i've had some fits and starts over the years um thought i wanted to go one down one path realized that it, it wasn't the right path um, and so just pivot it. So it is possible. So no decision is forever. And, you know, just work as hard as you can and, and keep an open mind and, and embrace change, you know, particularly, you know, the pace of the way things are changing in the world. Um, we did a couple of years ago, we did a big investor day and we spent months preparing and we had speeches and it was wonderful. And all the, our shareholders were going to come in and we finished that on Thursday, you know, did the internal high fives with each other. And then, that weekend, there was a, an oil price war sparked by the Saudis and the Russians, and so the commodity price collapsed. The following week, COVID hit, and so we spent six months planning for something. In, in less than 20, wow. 24 hours, the first pillar fell, and, and less than a week later, and it was all for nothing. And so it just shows, you know, not everything's quite that dramatic. Wow. And I remember very, very early in my career, <laughs> I was working on this really neat company that was a high-tech company that was doing uh, limousine and taxi cab software you know, for airports. And it was, it was cool. And so we were launching the offering memorandum September 12th, 2001. So 9-11 happens and and the companies, you know, it it was, you know, it was stillborn because of what happened. And so sometimes events beyond your control radically change things. So I think, you know, for young people, they should be prepared to embrace change and and make the most of it. Right. Sometimes the door shuts and new opportunities open. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's great advice, especially given how versatile a law degree is. I think that's what's so cool about our education is that we can just scoot between different um, different areas of law and different positions. Yeah, and I have it's interesting people that I either went to school with or knew early in my career do so many different interesting things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think on your your podcast you've had the um, mayor of Winnipeg who, yes. who you know went in and you know I have friends that do politics. Um, one of my classmates is a Globe and Mail uh, best-selling author, uh, wow. Andrew Piper. Uh, he's kind of they call him the Canadian Stephen King, um, and so cool. he's written screenplays for movies and different things. And, and you know, just so many different things you can do with a law degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, which I think is one of the great values of it, and it teaches you how to think. Yes, I agree. I agree. So, do you miss uh, docketing all of your hours in? Pride oh Pride? God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's the worst thing about private. There are some things you do miss about private practice, like when you first go in-house, because law firms, at least back in the day, you know, they had teams of assistants and people that did the photocopying for you. And and there was always somebody there to help. Um, So when you go in-house, 
you know, it's very different. And, you know, you go from at a law firm, uh, the partners are the kings of the world. Mm-hmm. In, in a company, the lawyers are not kings of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're a cost center. So it's a very different mindset. So uh, I was very lucky. I, you know, one of the things I'd say over my career, I've been blessed with uh, a lot of people that have taken an interest in my career cool. and helped me. Uh, you know, I'm a first generation lawyer. Uh, the first time I ever met a lawyer was in law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the whole process was a, a little intimidating in the beginning. Compa- you know, and I, I shudder. I found one of my old resumes from when I was in third year law. And I was like, oh, my God, this is garbage. Um, <laughs> it was so embarrassing, you know, just and I find today's students are so much more sophisticated and, and you know, which is more pressure, too, because, you know, the, the resume and the, the pressure, even in high school to, to do all these different things, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think. You know, I'm, I belong to this uh, legal organization, Fight Out to Fight International Legal Honor Society, and I'm mm-hmm. the international historian. And when I look back at some of the lawyers, um, you know, 60, 70 years ago, um, the Masters Golf Tournament was founded by a lawyer who golfed half the year and, and was a lawyer the other half of the year. Wow. So people were more generalists, and now the, the pressure to specialize is so intense so early. Yes, yes, I agree with that. Um, so what do you think is the best thing about being in-house? What I like best about being in-house is the chance to grow something and contribute to the day-to-day. Because one mm. of the things when I was in law, when I was a lawyer, is you would work with these great people and, and do these things, and then they would disappear until the next thing, and you might not work with them again for okay. a year. Whereas when you're in-house, you know your daily decisions and you're building a business, and that's very gratifying. Yeah, um, and you, you can see the impact of your work in a more dramatic fashion. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent you know, point. The, hour, the hours aren't that different to be honest okay. uh, particularly because we have a small department and you know we're an exceedingly complex company mm-hmm. um, you know I probably accounted one time I think I've worked with 70 or 80 different law firms in 40 plus countries during my time at Shawcore wow wow, wow. Uh, which has been kind of neat I've enjoyed seeing the differences in lawyers in, in different countries and continents and uh, I always joke with my friends uh you know, I've done uh, an M&A deal on every continent except Antarctica during my time. That's so, so fun. you got to get that done, though. Yeah, it's different. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what they do in Antarctica that requires Lars, but I'll have to look into that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then I wanted to ask you about your involvement. You're involved with quite a few things, actually, outside of your career. And just from speaking on the phone with you, and then you've emailed me about them, too. And um, I'm just going to start rhyming them off. Um I know you work closely with U of T. Let's start with that. What is your involvement with U of T? So it varies over the years. That, that's where I went to law school. With, mm. and, and, you know, quite honestly, going to U of T law sort of changed the trajectory of my life just in terms of um, particularly in, in the era I went to just, you know, they had that generation of professors um, that was just nearing the end of their career. So was exposed to so many brilliant minds and ideas. And just the different, because they're in downtown Toronto, like the different professors and politicians and um, people that were brought there. And so I just, even the, you know, the core coursework in first and second year was okay. Um, but just the people and the, and the ideas and, and the exposure. And when my wife was there, for example, you know, um, Scalia came to speak. She took a cool. class with George, she took a class with George Stephanopoulos, right? Cool. And just the exposure to, to different ideas. So I, I always got a lot out of the school. And so... Over the years, I've acted as mentor. I've come in and spoken about different things. Uh, I'm kind of the ex officio uh, 
advisor to uh, the Sports and Entertainment Law Club. Cool. Um, so I helped them uh, with guests and uh, did a podcast last year that I put together on politics. Um, so got two former chiefs of staff to the Prime Minister of Canada that had gone to the school wow. that were lawyers and, and brought them in to speak about their experiences. Uh, you know, they, they've just done so many interesting things, you know, being in you know, one Tim Murphy, who's the managing partner at McMillan. You know, he's been in the room with Vladimir Putin, with uh, Bill nice. Clinton, George Bush. You know, just all these people. Yeah. Uh, and he he tells a really funny story about um, President Bush, and, and he said, you know, much smarter than than sort of the general media portrays sometimes. Mm-hmm. And there was a rule: no cell phones with the president. And he said, the, as somebody's cell phone went off, and he said there was Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice and the vice president. You know, he's powerful people that on the world stage fumbling like high school students going oh shit i hope it's not my phone right and he said they're all looking panicked and he said it was just you know they went from being these titans of the world to oh my god i'm in trouble crap, right crap, like crap. naughty naughty school kids and he said it was very funny that's so cute um and i just want to speak on behalf of law school i've not in myself and I'm, I'm not really familiar with i don't go to u of t so um I can't speak to that specifically, but how much involvement you've had and how big of a help you've been with Law School Life and Beyond on this podcast, I can imagine how involved you are with U of T and students really appreciate your your help. So thank you. Yeah, it's kind of, I always felt a duty to give back because, you know, when I went to law school, I knew nothing. Like it Mm. was a little bit embarrassing compared to some of my peers who, you know, second and third generation lawyers, fathers that fat. Yeah. Yeah. But it just... But I was lucky that people took an interest in me and, cool. and that I met through clubs and different things. And so I always felt an obligation to give that back. Right. Mm-hmm. So and it's funny when you do stuff like this, um, you get so much out of it yourself as well. Right. Because mm-hmm. I, I was volunteering to help the, the U of T Sports Entertainment Law Club. And they asked me to come in and moderate a panel because the, the person had dropped out. And then. Um, one of their guests dropped out and they called me and just said, can you find us another guest? And and I thought, you know what? Sure. Um, and so I was kind of scrolling around seeing, you know, local lawyers that might be interesting. And I came across Glenn Grunwald, who was the former GM of the Raptors and the, the New York Knicks. Yes. And I'm a huge basketball fan. I thought, I want to meet Glenn Grunwald. So I called him up, <laughs> cold called him and said, you know, introduced myself, said I'm helping U of T law students. Do you want to come in and speak? And he said, yeah, that'd be fun. Because uh, Glenn, he played, uh, he won a national championship in 1981 with Isaiah Thomas, played for Bobby Knight. Um, unfortunately, he had a knee injury. And so he, you know, instead of an MBA career, he had to go and pursue an academic career. So he became a lawyer mm-hmm. and ended up through that uh, with the Toronto Raptors. And so he came in and we had a great time doing the panel. And, and there was partners from Castles and other places. Yeah. And, um, you know, we went out for a coffee after. He said, oh, that was fun. Um and he said, you know, if Canada basketball, because he, he's the CEO, uh, was then, he's retired since, uh, you know, if we ever need any legal help, uh, can I call you? And I thought, you know, I'm really busy, but, you know, not very often. An NBA general manager asked me, for, ex-NBA general manager says, if I need your help, can I? And he called me. And so now I'm the corporate secretary and legal advisor for Canada basketball. And Amazing. as a, you know, I'm a nerd, I'm a nerd on multi-levels. Uh, um <laughs> And then I got appointed. I'm now a member of the Hall of Fame committee. Yes, this so is I'm my next question. Determine. So, so, so that you know, for a history and basketball nerd, it's Nirvana. Yeah, that, so that is you know, that's that's just a good example for lawyers. You know, you know, I, I'm working in a field that is unrelated, but just because I volunteered to help somebody, you know, you never know what doors open by just giving back. Mm-hmm. That that's a really excellent point, actually, too. And I was going to ask you about your involvement with um, Canadian basketball, and then also. 
a few other things um, that we've spoken about, the Canadian Premier Soccer League, um, the International Legal Honor Society, and then, I'm so sorry, I'm really bad with Greek life, uh, Phi Delta Phi? Pi Delta Phi? Yeah, <laughs> it's Phi Delta Phi. So the, so the Canadian Premier Soccer League is a new, uh, you know, the national organization for the for the Canadian team launched a couple of years ago. And I feel so bad for them just because, you know, they launched and, and you know, after a very successful first season, then comes COVID, right? Yeah. So they've, they've had nothing um, but troubles. But my son is a ginormous soccer fan and so took him out to the local team, uh, York United, just their, um, their meet and greet with the fans. And it yeah. turns out that um, the owner of the team I went to high school, his brother and I played high school basketball together. Wow. Small world, right? Yeah. Didn't know it. Uh, so we just start chatting and, and so met the general manager and now I'm just kind of a conciliary, you know, he bounces ideas off me and stuff, which is again, because I love sports, you know, just one of those things. And, and because, you know, I think it's important for Canada to, to have a league, mm-hmm. just volunteered to help them. And, and so it's developed and my son actually um, ended up doing interviews with players. He was their youth correspondent Cute. a couple of seasons ago. <laughs> uh, and it was very funny because one of the guys he interviewed um, 19 year old kid, you know, to me looks incredibly young and stuff. And he's like, he's such a nice man. And he always oh, so, he's had such worldly experience. And, but, you know, my son was 13 at the time. Exactly, and to a 13 year old, a 19 year old is worldly. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I'm looking at him like, oh my God, he's so young. Yeah. Um, but it was nice because we went to the, he invited my son actually to their playoff game this year. And we went. And it just so happened we ended up sitting in front of his mom who had a homemade. Um, sign for the player cute and uh and she turned around and uh I asked oh I said are, are you his mother and she said yes uh, I'm Max's mother and my son was wearing a Max Ferrari shirt and cute. she looked at him and she said you did the interview didn't you she said oh my god I still watch that every week I love it it's the best interview he's ever done Aww. and my son suddenly is puffed out yeah, yeah. it was a great moment he got a career in journalism ahead of him <laughs> Well, he wants to go to law school too, and, and uh, he, he wants to he wants to be a super agent. Okay, okay, okay. And then I have to ask, just because you're such a sports fan, what sport did you grow up playing? So I played everything, none of it very well. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, the did uh, I played on a, the high school basketball team? Uh, you know, it was a bench warmer. Uh, you okay. Know, the, uh, but but uh, very enthusiastic. Played so- house league soccer, baseball. You know, everything fun. pretty much. Fun, fun, fun. Okay, and then um, what was the last thing that I had mentioned? The International Legal Honor Society? Yeah, so Phi Delta Phi, they changed the name to Honor Society because it was called International Legal Fraternity. And the name fraternity has a certain connotation. And and it's funny, I kind of fell into that. Um, So I was at U of T and U of T didn't have a chapter. And Osgood has had a chapter since the 1890s. Wow. And a friend of mine uh, that I knew growing up, he was a friend of my cousin. uh, They were the pitcher and catcher on the High Park baseball team. And so he was a member, and they'd always wanted to get U of T, and he said, come out. And I'm like, oh, my God, fraternity? And he said, it's not like that, I, pr- mm. I promise. And so I went, and uh, so I got to meet judges, and, and it was just incredible, right? Because the, the ceremony is very nice. It, it talks about duty to the public, mm. um, and it's kind of funny, right? Because the fraternity, now Honor Society, was founded in 1869 to help lawyers uh, promote their image with the public because they felt that the public didn't understand mm-hmm. what the law was about. And so, you know, fast forward 150 years later, we're still having those issues. Yeah. Um, but it was remarkable because when I, you know, I, I got to meet all of these people. 
and um, judge sitting judges and, and you know they just all took an interest in in what students were doing and it talked about the duty to the public the duty to each other and just sort of reminded you of, of what law is about and it's a profession and it's a, a long-standing profession mm-hmm. and I think you know some of the things it talks about like the duty you know to act honorably to not take advantage of each other mm-hmm. and we live in a world right now where everybody is so sharp with one another as we've seen with the trucker rallies mm-hmm. and the, the assault on the capital in the states and everybody's yelling at each other so it's nice once in a while to remind yourself of of what why people went to law school right to make mm-hmm. a difference to to you know, sort of help change things. And, um, you know, it's been great. I've got to meet people all over the world. I met the lawyer that um, was chancellor of the University of Mississippi and organized the first Obama-McCain debate. And, wow. you know, that was a school that didn't allow black students. So, And he was the one that banned the conf- use of the Confederate flag at Ole Miss football games. Wow. And he had to have a bodyguard. He had bodyguards for a year because of that. Wow. And, he, you know, you just think of some of the, the sort of things that have touched... Um, and, you know, there's been some lawyers that have, have made such a tremendous difference in, in the world and mm-hmm. um, was lucky enough to interview once the um, Juan Williams, who's on national public radio in the U.S. And, and the other thing I'd say to anybody listening to this, all these people that I've met, I've taken the initiative just to reach out to people mm-hmm. and, and half of them never get back to me and half of them do. Mm-hmm. I remember I, I read this great book on Marbury versus Madison by a, lawyer, a partner in a D.C. firm. And I got it as a Christmas gift and loved the book. And so I just called him and his assistant was like, who are you? And I said, well, you know, I'm, my name's Tim and I'm a lawyer in Canada. She said, why are you calling? I said, I just want to talk about his book. And you could just hear the skepticism in her voice. She's like, hold on. And then he came on. He's like, you like the book? And, and so we had this great chat about the book, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, you think you reach out to people and you just never know where these things lead, right? And I've mm-hmm. had some amazing experiences and heard about some incredible things over the years just from taking the initiative to, to try and reach out to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think about it, if someone's doing something great, there's so much negativity in the world. Yeah. Somebody calling you from another country to say, hey, I love what you do. Yeah. That's eh, a nice thing. Mm-hmm. I think it was you that said to me that, at least in law school, and I don't know if you still do it, but that if you can reach out to five people a week, um, you're, you're yeah. doing okay. Yeah. The best advice I ever got when I was at a... Can't remember. First couple of years, I think it was Perry Delise at Wildeboard Delise, who's one of the world's great networkers of all time. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you know, you, you get mentors and they give you advice. Some of it's good and some of it isn't. And he said, you know, when you're five, every week, reach out to five people that you don't need anything from. Send them an article you think they'd like to read or yeah. tell them you saw something that. And so I've been doing that for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just the power of that network. And I'm also a big believer that, um, you know, if you do karmas, I believe in karma. Like if you do good things, it becomes a virtuous circle. Even if it doesn't come back to you personally, yeah. it, it'll circle and it'll help other people. And, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, I think it's a powerful thing. And then if everybody tried to do a few nice things or, or you know, compliment a couple of people a week, I, I just think it's uh, with so much negativity, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's a positive thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, I, and I'm a good example, right? I tried to help the students at U of T. And through that, I end up, you know, through a whole Your virtual thing. <laughs> That's uh, on thing. the Hall of Fame committee, right? Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's funny how life works sometimes. So then what has been the most rewarding part of your career or the most rewarding experience in your career thus far? Wow, that's a tough question. There's been so many. Um, 
I think the the it's funny. It, it, it wasn't a big dollar value deal, but one of the things that uh, I took great satisfaction in, and, and you know, quite honestly, there's been so many. You know, I, I could list a hundred things that I, I've derived great satisfaction from. Um, the thing I've liked best about being at Shawcore, I think, is the opportunity to work with so many great people mm. from all over the world, right? Mm. And you just get different experiences. Um, and feelings from working all around the world, mm. you know, and it's it's fun because you see how people are the same. And I honestly believe that, that you know, there's humanity has more commonalities than differences. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that's unfortunate over the last number of years is that everybody focuses on the differences mm-hmm. and, and argues about those in a way that instead of focusing on what, you know, what makes us all similar. Yes. Um, but I worked on one transaction that we'd been stymied because there was a property in France and uh, we wanted to sell it. But the local mayor had it under French law and French civil law is horrible. Uh, <laughs> it just takes everything takes forever. Everything's yeah. complicated. And we could never sell it because the mayor had a right of first refusal. And he wanted he wanted to build a project. Uh, there was a couple of different projects named after him. And, and, you know, he had a personal interest in it and yeah. he kept vetoing it. And so we worked with some, uh, you know, pretty well-regarded firms um, to try and solve it and just kept running into the same roadblock. And, and in a rare moment of inspiration, I asked our French lawyers, I said, well, you know, if, what if we sold the company that owns the property instead of the property? And they kind of looked at each other and I realized I'd hit on something. And yeah. so we ended because the mayor couldn't stop the sale of the company. So yeah. we ended up selling the company. And so, you know, solved a problem that had stymied people for 15 years. Wow. 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 That is and really including cool. local, including local lawyers that couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. The other thing I would say I'm proud of is just um, the number of people over the years that I've sort of mentored, whether it be lawyers and business people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I said, there, there was a couple of people, and I've mentioned a few of them, like Perry, and uh, there was a lawyer I met through Fight Alta Fight, Jeff Wilker, who just, uh, we hit it off, and he was a few years older than me. And so, you know, whenever I wanted to switch jobs or, or do something, he he would counsel me and, you know, just... Cool. Uh, and he was an amazing lawyer. He's a leading municipal lawyer. He's got a photographic memory. And I remember once he had a fence issue for my father-in-law. Um, and, and I remember calling him up for saying, you ever heard of this problem? And he's like, oh, yeah. He said, you should look at the third chapter of this textbook. Oh, but my he gosh. said, make sure it's the second. And he was like, so I opened it up and there it was. Can you imagine uh, having that ability? No, I can't. That's a superpower. That's a superpower. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, I've been lucky that, I, you know, I, I couldn't focus in on one thing. You know, it's it's been a very satisfying career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of neat to, you go from, I remember when you come out of law school and, and you know, the first couple of years you're working with these men and women and they're so smart and so accomplished and you're like, oh my God, mm-hmm. you know, they've been out 20 years and, and suddenly you wake up and that's you. Well, and, um, you know, when I helped... Uh, I think he's been a guest on the program, Norm Bacall, yes. who was uh, he was a lawyer at Heenan. He's managing partner at Heenan Brakey mm-hmm. and brilliant. And like Norm, basically invented the you know a lot of the entertainment industry in, in Canada. Canada. Yes, and so he wrote an advice book that I would encourage everybody. I think it's called Taking Charge. Would encourage all young lawyers yes. to take a look at. And um, so he sent me a couple chapters because he, he, he's never been in-house and he said, I want an in-house lawyer's perspective. Yeah. And I ended up ed- editing the book for him, the entire book. Wow. And um, and so just, it's kind of nerdy, but in the acknowledgement, 
he um, he acknowledges me, you know, just all the help. And I remember when I first started working with him because I was a third year lawyer. And he just was so smart, he intimidated the heck out of me. <laughs> and, you know, you feel like a kid who's, when the parent says, oh, good job, pats you on the back. And yeah. I was so thrilled no, that exciting. he said nice things about me in, in print. And I thought, you know, how funny is that? I'm, I'm a 50-plus, you know, t- been a lawyer for over 20 years, and, and I felt like a kid on graduation day. I was so excited that he said nice things about me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's so cute. Norm was an awesome guest, too. He, uh, I remember I asked him, he told me about this big deal that he had on a golf course. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a real thing. Like I need to learn how to golf. And he's like, Oh yeah. And he's like, golfing is huge in the legal and business profession. He's like, you get people unarmed. They're out in the sun. They're having a good time. And so he's like, you absolutely need to take up golf lessons. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. That's a big, big takeaway from that interview. Yeah. Well, when I worked at Heenan Blakey, it's funny, it, it sounds cool, but they're all tax deals, but I did tax shelters working with Norm. And so, you know, some of the worst movies ever made, um, <laughs> We did, uh, you know, the Lake Placid about the the alligator, and um, you know, we made a few movies that made Battlefield Earth. I incorporated the partnership that made uh, that John Travolta Scientology stinker. Cool. Uh, and worked on one movie called Pluto Nash that uh, Eddie Murphy was in. Cool. And I think it cost a hundred million dollars to make, and took less than a million dollars in domestic box office. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. So that Rough that go. one's on nobody's resume. So. <laughs> But, you know, it's, 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 it's been interesting because I've done a lot of different things and was uh, at different times wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, any young lawyers that are in their first couple of years and think, oh, my God, uh, I'm not sure I'm in this. You can change, right? You just mm-hmm. have to keep confident in yourself and don't be afraid to try new things. Because mm-hmm. I was in private practice for seven years. And at the end of it, all I knew was I didn't want to be a securities partner. Cool but wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I actually worked as a recruiter for six months, oh, wow. seven months. Um, just because I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought, well, that might be a good way to meet people doing different things and yeah. kind of figure it out. And then one of my former clients from when I was at Wildeboard, uh, they had somebody leave and they needed an in-house lawyer and they asked me to come in. So I ran my own consulting practice cool. uh, for 18 months. Wow. And wow. then eventually, the, eventually, you know, uh, Akon wanted me to stay and get involved and, um, so I was there and, and did stuff with the board. And, you know, I was very lucky, too, there when I was working with the board. They had Brian Tobin, who had been premier of Newfoundland on the board, wow. and Rob Wildeboer, who had founded Martin Rea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just some very exceptional people that uh, learned a lot from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that leads me to my last question is, do you have any advice for future and current law students, aside from being an agent of change and accepting change? And You know, I think one of the things that I would encourage is um, – have an old school work ethic. Okay. Um, you know, it's funny because we have some students, you know, younger people at Shawcorn. I remember about a year and a half ago, there was one guy, everybody thought he had a great future, um, but he didn't want to work that hard. And, and so his performance review um, is just, you got to work harder. Like, you you know, your potential is unlimited, but you just got to apply yourself. Mm-hmm. And he filed a human rights complaint. Oh, geez. And so you're like, is that what the world's come to? Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, chase your dreams, work hard, um, be respectful of everyone and be open to learning. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, because I think one of the things that's helped me in my career, um, you know, it's funny, your parents tell you stuff when you're little that you kind of roll your eyes at, but it makes a lot of sense. My mm-hmm. father always used to say, there's a reason you have two ears and one mouth. Um, <laughs> and it's, you're supposed to listen to, you're supposed to listen to people, right? Yeah. Um, and so... You know, I, I've learned so much from 
you know, being surrounded by smart people and, mm-hmm. and just working hard to absorb that information from them. And, you know, the other thing I would say is, and I've had a few missteps along the way, is everybody's going to have them. Don't beat yourself up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, work as hard as you can. Learn as much as you can from different people. And then if you make a mistake, shake it off. Everybody does, mm-hmm. right? And I can remember one moment that was very sobering at the time. And I was at one of the big law firms, and we were debating what students we were going to hire back. And everybody's like, oh, you know, I'll just pick a name. You know, person X. Everybody's like, oh, I love X. And, mm-hmm. you know, doing well. And then some one of the big partners that brought in a lot of work came in so who are we talking about and somebody said x and he's like oh that guy's an idiot and so wow. person went from being hired back to not you know not making it back because that one partner convinced everybody not to wow and you think if he'd been three minutes later we would have been on to the next person and that other person would well, have been hired so sometimes life is random and, and things happen that you can't control and they can negatively impact you but you have to learn to shake it off, believe in yourself, and keep moving forward. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there'll be hard knocks. And the other thing, too, is when you've been around long enough, you see even people that when you're you know, in your shoes, seemingly perfect or, or know-it-all, make serious mistakes mm-hmm. and, and survive and, and go forward. So nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I first start, you know, you, when you're in law school and taking business association and you know, they talk about these companies and they seem like it's all logical and, 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 you know, everything is rational and works for a certain reason. Mm -hmm. And then you go into companies and you see the chaos that's there and it's every company, you know, I'm, I've been a lawyer for 20 plus years and I haven't experienced one place that didn't have a share of chaos. And so when you, the first little while freaks you out a little bit that, you know, things aren't as rational as as you thought when you were a student because you didn't understand them, but that's just the way the world works. Mm -hmm. And so once you get used to that and, you know, you try and put, you know, some days I, you know, I have a to-do list that's 60 things long Mm -hmm. and you kind of get overwhelmed. And I'm sure you feel that as a student too, right? Mm -hmm. I remember those days, you know, where you have all these papers and you're like, oh my God. And, and, but, you know, you just got to, one good piece of advice I got is pick a couple easy wins every day Mm -hmm. to start with and build your momentum and your confidence Mm -hmm. and do a couple of things that you can knock off. And all you can do is things one at a time, mm-hmm. right? But you start with things that are easy and, t- and take the easy wins and build to other things. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is when you get a chance and we're all busy, um, you know, just do one or two positive things. You know, if not every week, if it's too busy, um, you know, uh, once a month. Or, and, you know, when you get out a few years, you know, if a law student reaches out to you, spend the five minutes to give them a little bit of advice, yeah. encourage them. And it just builds, right? And And... The other thing, too, is in particular, I'm at the age where you get a little sentimental about things. Mm-hmm. Helping people makes you feel good. Yeah. Oh, that's true. And I honestly, thank you so much for that advice. And thank you so much for coming on the show, Tim, and all of your help behind the scenes with this podcast. No, it's a, I feel bad that I've had to cancel no, 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 a couple no, 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 no. times, so I appreciate your patience. I think it's a, I think mm. it's a great podcast. I, I actually I enjoy some of them quite immensely. You know, just one of the things I would encourage everybody – you know, there's a yeah. lot of great lawyers out there. We take a bad rap in public, but I've met more great people that are lawyers that do all mm-hmm. kinds of amazing things and give back so much. So, um, you know, be proud of being a lawyer and, and you know, make the profession proud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's excellent. And I, again, cannot thank you enough for all of your help and all of the mentorship that you've provided our team, at least, and I'm sure many, many, many other students. So we really do appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and if there's any students out there that are listening, because you guys are graduating, yep. it's a you know it's a great way. I think you guys have met a lot of interesting people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd encourage people to to get involved in stuff. 
I agree. I agree. Well, thank you. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in today, as always. And be sure to tune in next week for Law School Life and Beyond's next episode of the Leadership Series.